0: Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos Podcast, a conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Roan, episode whatever. I don't know, how far into this are we?
1: I think this is episode, uh, what is it, like 3,271?
0: <laughs> no, those is are that... listens per episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally different <laughs> fact there. <laughs> so, well, look, I've, I've appreciated the fact that we're growing and learning as we go along. We're bringing in some guests. We're bringing in some legacy episodes. And today we're doing something very brave for both of us. Uh, and that's going public with the kind of conversations we have in private.
1: Yeah, the uh, most worried person today is Eva. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well, (laughs) Cammy, my wife is fine because I didn't tell her we were doing this. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the only reason. So um, I find I, I really appreciate the way that we are able to be honest and back and forth and our different perspectives of you being inside of the church as a participant, me being inside the church on staff for for so long. And as I've said before, I think I have the privilege of being able to talk honestly about it for two reasons, because I committed my life to it for over a decade. Also because the community that I operate within uh, is a very beautiful community that's very flawed in a lot of ways. And I think if we're ever going to get better at how we are participating and doing Church in the West, We got to have some honest conversations about that, but we're going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle today using the terminology of helper trauma, which extends way beyond the church. Uh, Can actually be involved with clinicians, people in the mental health uh, industry itself. So I think it would be helpful for our listeners if we just started there with most of uh, our listeners have not heard of helper trauma. They've probably experienced it, some of them, but they weren't able to give it a label. How would you define helper trauma?
1: Gosh, we've heard uh, story after story uh, where somebody went to either a pastor, a counselor, uh, some type of helper person, um, and and I believe that people were well-intentioned and well-meaning. However, uh, what they gave these people, uh, it was not helpful. It was harmful, Uh, and we've seen that just in, in a lot of different ways and cases over the years. And so it's just the idea that you know, and, and it can be traumatizing. Some of the things that uh, is is passed on to people is somehow it's supposed to be helpful, uh, and it may be a, a Bible passage or some myth that exists in the church about whatever. Uh, and and uh, you know, it, it's almost like uh, some of the stuff I hear. I go, where Where did they get that? Where did that come from? And you know, it can be you know traced back to some terrible, uh, out of context Bible translation or verse that uh, is just taken totally out uh, of left field, and then they're told you know this is the way, uh, this is the path, and uh, man, it's it's just damaging. Uh, sometimes you know we call it treatment trauma, but I I think helper trauma covers a wider a wider range of just. Uh, problems and people actually seeking help and getting harm.
0: Yeah. I actually love the change there to helper trauma because it actually includes that peer to peer or those friends who love to get into situations and give advice, those counterphobic friends who are like, this is what you should do, or I would do this. And so there's there's a lot of confusion often around when people do develop the courage to pursue help. If they go to the wrong place, whether it be an ill-equipped friend, an ill-equipped pastor, An ill-equipped therapist—that those are actually out there—I think is important to put out in this space because many people who are listening to this podcast have been to a session or two or ten, and just don't understand what's being delivered to them, and they interpret their confusion about the methods or the way to investigate what's going on in their life. They interpret that confusion as something is wrong with them. Actually, there's something wrong with the help that's being offered (laughs) to you. Um, Very wrong. But there's this implicit level of trust when it comes to counselors and therapists and pastors, or especially people in our friend base that are older than us, you just kind of assume, well, they must know what they're talking about, you know, and then you layer on that, it's your best thinking that's gotten you here, you Mm -hmm. know, which is a favorite thing for ill-equipped people to say. Um, Then we've got a real problem that our desire through this episode is to help people be set free from that. Not from a cynical point of view, but from from an informative point of view.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things we often say is you know, if you're going to see a counselor, um, you know, the or therapist, um, it's like the first thing you need to ask them is tell me about the work that you've done.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. You, I would back up and say that again. Yeah. Tell tell me about the work that you've done.
1: Yeah. It's so important. And, um, you know, generally speaking, that's a good rule of thumb because if they haven't done their own work and they, you know, gained uh, their knowledge from a textbook, uh, you're probably uh, not going to get a lot of help. Um, and so it's just so important uh, to find out how much time they've spent sitting on the couch before you engage with them. And it's okay to interview your therapist, your counselor, because I mean, we're actually, you know, what we're doing is sitting in a room, you know, talking with people. Mm-hmm. We're not doing brain surgery. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you, you, yeah, whether I've got a degree from uh, Harvard or whether I've got a degree from uh, the community college, uh, so much of it in this in this realm, it really is just, I would say, you know, experience and wisdom. And usually those two things go hand in hand, hard-earned, hard-earned wisdom from bad experiences, mm-hmm. it's mostly I think how we learn uh, a lot in working with this
0: in our own lives, you know. And I yeah. think even you know, let's talk culturally for just a moment. If you walk into someone's office and you see certifications and diplomas, I mean, those are kind of the things that we put up there, and and many of those are hard earned. Uh, great that you would want to celebrate those things. Uh, they can be a little bit of a smokescreen, though, for someone who is very highly degreed and still very Deceived about their own station in life and doing their own work emotionally, uh, not just intellectually, and that's kind of the root of what you would need to sit with someone in a room to help them process what's going on in their life. I mean, often I see that the facts of whatever has brought brought them into a session are pretty clear. We're not very confused about the facts, maybe some, but predominantly what they're needing help with is processing through those facts. At an emotional level, you talk often about fact, impact, and track. That impact piece is so very important uh, because the facts are usually pretty known. Uh, Maybe not completely known if we haven't done uh, a full disclosure yet. But the real trouble comes in, I think, when we start to pretend to be something that we're not. That's where the helper finds himself in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah, and you know, so often you know the first line of defense is, as you well know, uh, because you were in the role. Uh, people want to go talk to their uh, their pastor, uh, their preacher, their priest, um, whatever faith denomination. Uh, that you know, so most most of the time, uh, that that's the first person that they want to go you know talk to, um, and you know, certainly those guys, uh, I certainly respect and, uh, I know that's not an easy job. It's a hard job, no doubt. Um, however, uh, it's always wise, uh, to kind of, like the old Dirty Harry movie. See, I just made another old man reference, didn't I?
0: This this is Clint Eastwood, if people want to Google. Clint Eastwood, (laughs) old,
1: old movie, uh, where he just looks at the guy and says, you know, a man's got to know his limitations. And I think that's just good advice for all of us, Mm. uh, is just the idea, it's like, if I don't really know what I'm doing, I probably shouldn't uh, rush in where angels fear to tread, right?
0: Mm. Yeah, that's very true. However, it does happen on a very regular basis. Very consistent. Yes. So let's extend some grace here, which is, I know, a very churchy thing to say, but let's try to walk a mile in that other person's shoes. They're approached on a random Thursday morning, all hell's broken loose inside of a marriage. Husband and wife drive up to the church in a fury, (laughs) and then they're sitting in the pastor's office, and uh, you're going to be in that situation unprepared maybe once. Uh, but after that, you're going to start preparing yourself, maybe in a lot of the incorrect ways, but many of them are trying to do right by their constituents, the people that are trusting them. Uh, I think best practices, and I would, I would lay this on any pastor out there, having been one for so long, the best practice would be to handle the level of confession that that person is ready to do, uh, because that is your role as a spiritual person and guide in the community, and then after that help the person or the couple get clarity about the work that's ahead and that work being handed off to someone who actually knows what they're doing, right?
1: Yeah, that, you know, the thing that I just over the years I get frustrated with is, is I always call it just the uh, magic Jesus bus um, which I'm I'm always for it, man. I tell people, man, when that when that sucker stops by my house, I'm, I'm getting on. I'm on it. I'm looking for it. I want it. Uh, however, in my case, you know, the bus hadn't up by the house, and so what I've had to do is I've had to do my work, and I believe that you know what God is interested in uh, on this faith journey. Uh, ultimately is just the development and the formation of my character into the image and likeness of Jesus. Not that I'm going to be Jesus, I'm certainly not and never will be but it's it's the idea of just uh, you know the image and character. Uh, and, and, you know, he was the model uh, of the most well-bounded human being that ever walked the planet. And he offered us so much in Scripture uh, about how to actually live life and live it abundantly. You know, there's there's words to that effect. And mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes at church, I sometimes wonder if I'm just in a, uh, a, a weekly Kind of uh, evangelism uh, explosion rally, because I just I'll hear you know Jesus Jesus Jesus, which I'm sure Jesus appreciates that. However, when He was here, you know He didn't preach Jesus. I mean, He 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 preached the Father. He pointed Mm us uh, to the 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 ultimate role and um, and and He pointed us to relationship uh, with the Father. And so it's, and then he gave us a model and he tells us what it means to actually live it out on a daily basis, even in practical terms. uh, The stories, everything in there is all about what it means to be a whole, healthy uh, follower of, of Jesus. And so I think sometimes it's almost like we just, you know, we we preach the magic Jesus bus and we're waiting for it to show up and we look around the church and you're thinking, man, everybody got on the bus but me or something because it just hasn't worked that way in my life. And then you feel shame and you feel less than and it just perpetuates the very thing that we're all struggling with on some level. And it's really kind of sad.
0: Yeah, it is. I think that's the thing that motivates me these days. Uh, Not that I want to be the reformer of the Western church, but I do want to reach in there and help men, grab men specifically that are walking into these gatherings just anesthetized and have very low expectations because of that very thing that you're talking about, unless they wander into a community where a pastor has done his work. And is willing to talk about emotional health, is willing to talk about his failures, is willing to talk about the difficulties in his marriage or how his family was silent around sex. And he's perpetuated that inside of the community because it's a difficult thing to talk about. And, you know, everyone's having sex, but nobody's talking about having (laughs) sex. So this is a bad scenario. Right. And especially sexual brokenness. So I think that's the thing that's really driving me these days to discuss this as honestly as possible Because I believe if a man soldiers into a church parking lot and walks through those doors and he doesn't receive something that he needs, we've missed a really large opportunity. And it's happening over and over again because we experience the programs uh, of church, but the process of life change seems to, at the very least, get watered down or muddied in some way. And then when that man out of desperation seeks out that pastor and it's a pastor who hasn't done his work. And let's just talk about this for a moment. I believe I went to one of the finest institutions to prepare to be a pastor that there is at Baylor University. We did not have a single opportunity in an education setting to talk about sexual brokenness. Not Mm. one. Yeah. Well, what did I meet when I went into the church? <laughs> Sexual brokenness. I'm like, whoa, nobody got me ready for this, right? And I was also allowed to get a job at a church, to get a job in ministry before I really fully knew myself or had done my work, mostly because I hadn't been challenged to do so. You know, I had learned how to, how to participate in church, but I had not learned how to participate with my own story.
1: Yeah, and man, that, that's so you know, that, that's the case most of the time. And if if you haven't done your work, you're not even going to know what the work is. Uh, and then we're going to be unaware, uh, you know, our false self is working for us because somehow it sounds good, you know, God has called me to ministry. Mm. And boy, uh, it's kind of the Christian version of virtue signaling on the woke side. Uh, we, we can throw that in there, okay. like, like, you know, virtue signaling yes. because God's, spoke to me, called me, and uh, the reality of it is, I think, in just years of, of kind of walking this faith journey um, and, and seeing you know, so many different um, things along the way, but it, it really, the, it, it, the whole faith journey is, is really the idea of moving towards wholeness. And, and it's like, I want to be emotionally whole and relationally skilled, and those things um, are things that you can learn, uh, learning how to regulate emotions, not just kind of putting a spiritual Band-Aid on it. Uh, and there's just so much to it. And, and, you know, Jesus talks about it all the time. You know, even the go and sin no more uh, <laughs> is, a. I mean, that's like go and you, you better be ready because... It's going to be hard.
0: Oh, yes. Right? It's sitting there waiting to devour (laughs) you. I mean, this this is really intense language. He asked individuals, uh, one man in particular, 38 years of paralysis, (laughs) do you actually want to get better? I mean, he had to. Can you imagine? Stupid question. Walking up to someone in modern society who has experienced physical disability and asking them, I mean, do you really want to get better? Man, it's kinda rude. I and mean ex- extremely rude. Yeah, and can then, we say that about Jesus? Yeah, of course. He was rude all the time, you know. <laughs> That's why I
1: love him. Yeah, yeah. He was
0: if, look, he was very uh Opposite, he was the very opposite of Ned Flanders, which, but that's the the picture that people have him,
1: Mister Rogers. Yeah, Mister Rogers, my favorite
0: Jesus. So he circles back around to this uh, man later on, and he says, "Hey, you're looking well." After he heals him, "Hey, you're looking well. Make sure that you don't sin anymore, or else something worse may happen." Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's a big warning, right? And uh, I think you and I have both been, or excuse me, let me correct that. I know that you and I have both been accused of being extremely hostile towards the church and i'm not using this podcast as a platform to correct my reputation but i would say i think our honesty is confused with hostility
1: yeah i always say i am i've been involved in church since the day i came to jesus literally and um i've been a part of a church involved in church um since that day, uh, and I was 20 years old, and I'm a little older than that now. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, um, but I always say, you know, I I believe that part of our call as, as followers of Jesus uh, is certainly speaking into things that need to be spoken into inside of the church. Mm. Uh, and I tell guys all the time, man, you, you know, we need to be throwing rocks through the stained glass windows from the inside not go. the outside right i want to be a part i am a part and will be a part i mean and even saint augustine i mean god forbid uh, we we quote <laughs> saint, saint augustine yeah. Uh, the yeah uh, the yeah the catholic uh, first of all oh my gosh uh, but but augustine said it you know uh, he said that the church is my mother and she's a whore i, I like don't look mm. don't don't write me, email me. Uh,
0: Google he, it, he actually said He it.
1: said that, uh, uh, call St. <laughs> Augustine. Yes. Uh, I think there's a complaint line.
0: Probably I, a complaint line. I don't
1: line. know. Always, I'm just amazed, times uh, because I say things that, you know, the church fathers throughout church history have said. I mean, here's another thing people don't know. Martin Luther, the, the Reformation. We yes. wouldn't be sitting here doing this if it weren't for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Martin Luther, like he... He gave seminars and to teach sailors how to cuss. It's pretty amazing. Interesting. that Yeah, uh, we would, Martin Luther would not be allowed in your average Bible uh, Baptist Sunday school class. I don't know. but <laughs> We've I mean, obviously hey.
0: both taken that those seminars <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> as evidenced by our time in the woods. Oh, gosh. Uh, but yeah. you know what I find very interesting is part of what we're trying to do is not disassociate from these communities, the Christian community or the mental health community. We're trying to engage with these communities as best we can and to make sure that the people who are pursuing help in those modalities are able to find sound thinking about these things and people who are equipped to handle these sort of situations And that really is the tragedy, isn't it? That some people pursue education, they pursue certifications, and the only thing stopping them from being good helpers is engaging with their own life and their own story. Yeah. So this is why you would say, it's uh, the number one question that we should ask, because I think our listeners are probably looking for some practical advice at this point in the episode. When you sit down with a counselor, when you sit down with a pastor, you would say the number one question to ask, hey, before we get started, Tell me about your work. Even if you have to blow thirty minutes of the first hour. Oh,
1: honey, yeah, it's so important. And even, I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, you went to seminary. I mean, yes, seminary. Yes, that always slips. I don't know. Three whole years. Yeah, of yeah, my um, life. yeah. But like, uh, how many, how many courses even did you take on like marriage, marriage counseling, at, at, in seminary?
0: We had a portion of one class one semester that was about premarital. And I respected the, the man very much. Um, his advice to us was if a couple has decided to be married, they might as well do it under the covering of God.
1: Mm. Wow.
0: That was, that was his advice.
1: That, that, and that's very practical and helpful. Um, <laughs> and, and then how many courses did you have uh, during that time on just what I would call healthy sexuality or sexuality
0: zero
1: none zero. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I knew the answers right? our
0: emotional health classes or our preparation fell under the term spiritual formation and thank god they were doing a lot of stuff with the desert fathers mm. uniquely yeah which was really helpful that is but i was outside of the southern baptist ecosystem enough to where i was able to grab those things um But I've been trying to convince people for a couple of years now, just because I can sermonize well uh, and study the Bible well and present 30 minutes of a very narrow scope of material inside of the Bible doesn't mean I'm equipped to help you through your sexual brokenness, through your pornography addiction, through your affair disclosure. All of those things require very specific type of training, not only that, but also reps. (laughs) reps. <laughs> mm. Reps where you're learning from people who have done those sort of things before. And I think it would be a good place to mention so because the pastors have turned off this episode by now. Oh yeah. yeah uh, but there are uh, certain-
1: throwing rocks at the radio. Yeah, stoning. exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. There are <laughs> uh, certain people inside of the therapy, the, the counseling space that do not specialize in some of the things that you may be going through in your life. So that's another layer of the question. Tell me about your work yeah. after that. Okay, then tell me, do you sit with people in this scenario frequently, often, more than once? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: It, 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 and, you know, again, uh, we're not just picking on pastors. Uh, it's a hard job. We get it. Obviously, you get it more than I do. That's right. Um, but I can pick on the therapist uh, and just some of the things that we've heard. Um, from, you know, couples or individuals that have come to us after going to other counselors and therapists and uh, just some of the things that they were told and what they got. Uh, Like, what have you been doing? Mm. Uh, And oftentimes um, I I will sit with somebody who saw another therapist for some, you know, a pretty good period of time, and I'll always ask them, you know, Tell me about the trauma work that you've done. And when they say, oh, "I haven't really done any that, any of that," or "What's trauma?" What's trauma? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I know. Wow, you, you square one. Yeah, you've spent a lot of time, kind of spinning your wheels, talking mm. about your feelings or mm. something. I don't know what they did, but it was not much.
0: Uh, worksheets uh, of some sort. Yeah, yeah,
1: say. it's always great. <laughs> um, and and then, I mean, just you know, story after story. In some ways, and specifically when it comes to this area, arena, sexual brokenness, sexual mm. betrayal, betrayal trauma. Uh, uh, Porn addiction, sex addiction, uh, sexual brokenness—our preferred term. Yep. Um, man, it's just there's just a lot to it, and and of course we work with anything and everything, um, but like this this issue gets to the core of every relationship. I tell people often, yeah, we specialize uh, around sexual brokenness. However. You, we're kind of like the guy that can um, rebuild your Lamborghini. Uh, at this level of work, uh, we can probably fix your um, Rambler station wagon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're just fully your, prepared
0: for whatever work. You yeah, bring I, yeah. I yeah. think
1: I think we can because, and that's the part. Oftentimes, uh, people think. I, I don't know. I don't know what people think. But it, it seems it's like, oh, they work with sex addiction, which wouldn't even like the term. Uh, but really what it is, it, at the root of it all, it's an intimacy disorder. And it has to do with attachment issues. It has to do with emotional regulation, dysregulation. Uh, it's all the stuff that that affects every other you know, mental health issue or emotional issue that anybody has because this cuts across the grain in in it it's every aspect of your humanness your entire soul mm. so yeah we 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 can work with about anything
0: yeah the, the number of sessions that are usually required just to untangle mm. the two words sex and intimacy <laughs> yeah. is, uh, yeah, is just a, that. A big tell yeah. On, yeah. on how we're all trained to say those are the same. What? <laughs> <Wait>. It's like <laughs> two different words, You're very kidding. same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, let's, speaking of uh, definitions and words, I'd love to take a second to talk about, uh, because this happens in, in both modalities inside the counseling space and the church space. Let's talk about spiritual bypass. Because I think if we were to rank helper trauma, uh, spiritual bypass would probably be in the top two or top three uh, as a technique that's offered to people who are hurting that just feels empty, but they probably don't know that there's a term for it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind of like, you know, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Just uh, just hit me yeah, right in the feels there. Yeah, it
1: really did. <laughs> I could tell, you know, just forgetting what is past and pressing on towards the goal to win the prize. Mm. And it's like, just, you know, forget about all that stuff. No man who looks back. Just, is, yeah, yeah. They just, even quote
0: Jesus. I know. Just, yeah.
1: yeah, move on. Out mm-hmm. of context, quoting Jesus, I have found not to be helpful. Uh, but it's... I heard Tim it,
0: Mackey say the <laughs> other day, a guy that's with, the bible project uh uh, they're doing incredible stuff but he termed that he said i heard a pastor Rip a passage from the context, bleeding all over the pages. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, so right. Whoa, that's exactly how that happens. Yeah. Um, so, spiritual bypass is like laying these um, what could we say, like Christian radio statements mm. over things or oh, Christian greeting card statements yes. over things that are very real and very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But we've been taught uh, oh, well, you should be a new man now. The old has passed and the new has come. (laughs) That's funny because I looked at porn and masturbated last night. So past when, you know, or the wife is like, that's funny because we were just in an argument all the way to this session. So obviously neither one of us are new people right now. Uh, But the spiritual bypass aspect of helper trauma, just it feels uh, like such a betrayal because it's a source in our society that feels like it should be so helpful and it's delivered in a way that doesn't feel helpful at all, and then you feel full of shame and full of guilt that you apparently can't ascend enough to this spiritual reality to understand how helpful that could actually be.
1: Yeah, and it it perpetuates, you know, what we call the you know, kind of our 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 core beliefs, uh, which typically, you know, the, that's the toxic shame, mm. and we've all formed these, you know, a belief system about ourselves. Oftentimes I say this work that we do, it really is spiritual formation. Our spirits are formed from the day we're born until the day we die Mm. for good or for evil. And so these things that happen in our lives, these experiences, these circumstances uh, along the way, we come up with a story and it, it turns into a belief system about me. Because especially when we're little, we're narcissists. Hopefully we grow out of it. Some people don't. Right. But... Those belief systems begin to form, and they're things like "I'm not enough, I'm inadequate, I'm mm. insignificant, I don't matter, I'm on my own, I'm alone, and then we grow up and become big people and but that that false belief, those lies you know the 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 accuser of the brethren, brethren, the father of lies. We do have an enemy, he's real, and I believe he plants those shame core messages in us, and he goes back home to Las Vegas because that's where he lives (laughs) full-time. He's got a a townhouse in New Orleans on Bourbon Street, loves Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, man, the shame is now at work, and the shame is what drives us— into our distress reduction behaviors. It's the thing that we are seeking relief from in our illegitimate coping mechanisms. And if we don't begin to get to the root of why we are doing what we do, well, guess what? We'll live life by the directions on the shampoo bottle, as I always say, Mm. lather, rinse, repeat.
0: I find it very appropriate at, at this point in the conversation to talk about The tactics of the enemy of mankind to the Christian worldview used on Jesus himself in isolation in the desert were a bastardization of the sacred text. That's exactly what was happening It's the same there. thing. The temptation to spiritually bypass, right? And uh, thankfully with Jesus, it did not work. But unfortunately with us, it often does work. So how we see this practically work out, just so our listeners can wrap their head around it. If you sit with someone, helper, whatever type of helper they are, and they begin to talk to you about God the Father, and he's a, he's a good, good father. He's our good, good father. There's a song that... I've heard in church a few times about that. Uh, but if my relationship with my father was absolute trash mm. and my father is the main person that I'm looking to early in life to try to determine if there is a God, what that God is like as a father, maybe we should talk about that before I start throwing Bible at you and before I start talking about God as a father and, and punishment and consequences and all those things because the paradigm through which I'm, Feeling and seeing those things is my relationship with my dad. I mean, I think most of us, uh, male or female, (laughs) need to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what part of our parents have we actually layered on top of the idea of God. Mm. So if you too quickly rush into, well, let's roll through this story and let me throw a Bible verse at you that talks about, um, you know, whatever you ask or imagine. And what the only thing you were asking or imagining as a child was a little bit of attention healthy attention from your dad. (laughs) And if I'm talking to you about God being a father, all that is very convoluted. And we need to take the time to kind of figure that out and learn each other's stories rather than just giving a prescription or giving a program, which most of us in the helper trade who have participated in the spiritual bypass, that's exactly what we're doing.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, just uh, there's a great book uh, around just kind of how we project uh, God onto you know the the our Father. Um, it, it, it's uh, it's called Angry Conversations with God. Uh, Susan Isaacs wrote it. Uh, she was on the uh, Seinfeld show. She was kind of one of those irregular regular. She was on there pretty regular, um, and it just it kind of details her. Uh, kind of certainly her story, her Christian journey, and it is hilarious. That
0: sounds great.
1: Rudy is the Christian counselor that she goes to see. Okay, and at the end of each chapter, uh, it is uh, the, it's kind of the transcript of their counseling sessions. It's hilarious because she's taking God to uh, to marriage counseling. Yeah, with wow. Rudy, the Christian counselor. That's how to do it. Oh, uh, it's it's so great, but. You know, spoiler alert. You know, she be, she figures out that like the God that she thinks she knows is really uh she's just projected. uh Her father onto God, or mm. God onto her father, and yeah, it, it's. I mean, it just teases that out beautifully, and then the the best part is like Jesus shows up every now and then, and he's kind of like. Surfer dude, Jesus, you know the okay the, the picture, the flowing hair, glowing, yeah. flowing blonde mm-hmm. hair, Jesus, uh, and he's kind of interested, but he's got this faraway look in his eye. Kind of there, but not there. Yeah, he's, yeah, but he's cool.
0: I think today you'd have to call him the gummy Jesus. He's <laughs> <Yeah>. got <laughs> a gummy or two, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, relevant. We'd call him, yeah, yeah.
0: The relevant yeah. Jesus.
1: Yeah, contemporary Jesus. Oh, yeah. boy, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, what I find so interesting, too, is that this, uh, this really doesn't take anyone anywhere. Yes. It, it never works. No. But we keep trying it over and over and over again. So there's got to be a movement, I think, of people uh, and I would say we we would love to be a part of that movement that are starting more honest conversations about what it means to engage with your whole self and what it means to allow yourself to know your story well enough that you can determine how to pace through the rest of your story without getting triggered, without having to ignore your trauma. That sort of work is often not going to occur if you just pick someone who has a place of status or position inside of a church community, or even inside of a community. You have to do your work. If you were going to uh, someone and you were going to get surgery, then you would probably look into that person, and if they had done the surgery before, how it went, Mm -hmm. how many people had died on the table. (laughs) Let's talk about this. Good question. Yeah, before I just go under this anesthesia and allow you to do work on me, then it's my job to take control of my care, you know? and then i think the larger question is what what is the end goal here is the end goal to be able to just chat this out with somebody and hear some stuff that sounds either clinical or spiritual enough mm. for us to feel better that we've opened up or is the goal to live better you know to be better long term and that's going to require a certain type of care and it it unfortunately means that there are so many out there who have websites and they have phone numbers of business Uh, But they're just not ready.
1: TikTok therapist.
0: Yeah. My favorite. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) I, You know, I don't participate in TikTok for obvious reasons. Me either. uh, But I feel like I do because people will pull their phone up and say, you know what I heard the other day?
1: Yeah, on TikTok.
0: Yeah. So this was outside of session, but I think this gives a a definite example of what we're talking about. I had a man sitting down with me. We were having a meal. And he said, you know what? I'm just... And he was using expletives. And I don't want to have to worry about editing those out. But... He said, I'm just so mad at God and I feel bad about that because I know it's wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: And I set my fork down and I said, very biblically, who told you that? Who told you that it's wrong to be mad at God? Because the way I read the Bible <laughs> and some of the most holy people that I'm in relationship with have spent, have spent extended periods of their life very angry with God. Yeah. And they took their anger to God and and you know what he said to me? Well, my parents. Oh, yeah. My parents told me it was wrong to be mad at God. And I said, well, your parents were wrong. Yeah, that's <laughs> just <laughs> they, bottom line. They were wrong. They were, they were teaching you things that are just not correct.
1: Yeah, you know? and not helpful.
0: And not helpful, uh, right? No. So we're, we're going after a picture of when we're pursuing help from someone, that someone needs to be equipped to engage all of these things. Our sexuality, our spirituality, our emotional health, our interactions with traumatic events in the past, the ways that we've developed to cope with those things that may have been working that aren't working any longer. I mean, there's just a whole long list of things that need to happen. So if we're caught up just sliding Bible verses across the table, we're not really getting to the work.
1: Yeah, and, you know, in in my church uh, formative years, now, now my church formative years uh, started at 20 because uh, okay. I grew up in the Easter Christian denomination. Uh, we didn't go to church. Okay. Only at Easter, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and so I, I really, uh, you know, sometimes I'm glad uh, that that I did not grow up in it because mm. I don't have the baggage uh, that so many people do around what they learned and all the terrible stuff. I mean, it sounds like you're just generalizing.
0: There's good, there's good, but but it's often the bad that sticks. It, though we got to be honest, it does. About that. It yeah. really
1: does. Yeah. And so, uh, but in my formative years of you starting uh, going to church, you know the the person in church that was the like the Sunday school teacher or the the Bible study leader, you know, it was always a person that the, you know they knew the most Bible. They had the most knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, they quote chapters, right? Yeah. Wow! And wow! Addresses. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like whoa, uh, but they were always the ones. Like, man, that guy, you know, man, he he's he he's he's the man. Yeah. However they said it, um, it it. I'm like. You always, you know, because I get to know some of those people, and I was like, wow, I don't want to be around you. I don't want you on my life team. (laughs) However, uh, when Bible trivia breaks out in the parking lot at Walmart— I want you on my team because I'm competitive and I want to win.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: man, would I ever even think about calling that guy uh, for like some kind of help in a life situation? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not because he's just going to throw a Bible dart at me um, and it's probably going to hurt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be helpful. So this is something that just comes to the top of my mind as we're having this conversation, but I've also found that the best helpers are often the most quiet about it. Yeah. That they're not the people parading around like, I am the medicine. We are the medicine. <laughs> yes. You know? uh, I've under- got the answer. I've got the answer. You know, I mean, I understand that, we, that people have to market and you have to make a little noise so that people know where to find you. You know, you've got to blow that marketing whistle a touch. Uh, but those that are making some of the largest, most grandiose promises usually do not have Mm. what it takes to back those up. So just something to be aware of. I know narcissism is a huge word in culture today, kind of like trauma. We need to break those down a little bit. Yes, we will. Um, I, I don't mean to imply that everyone who's, screaming loudly as a narcissist. Uh, but that usually is a, a touch of a smoke screen that someone might not have the chops to really help you through a difficult situation.
1: Yeah, I kind of long for the day, I don't know, in church. We'll just use that. Uh, maybe in other places too where it's like, man, you know, you, you really ought to go you know, sit with Ben because you know he knows how to do life, mm. uh, and you know I talked to him and he really helped me uh, work through some things. You know, he's a guy that he he gets it. You know, he knows he he knows his stuff because uh, he's done his work. W- what if what if that person was the one that was lifted up in church? Uh, do you think things might be a little different?
0: Perhaps, yeah. What's uh, rewarded gets repeated. Yeah. And unfortunately, spiritual bypass has been highly rewarded, at least in the American South, well, you know, far as yes, listeners across live. the pond. Where we yeah, live. Yeah. Maybe a little bit different, but. Well,
1: don't, you know, let's don't start on the Holy Grail of Christendom, you know, the missionaries that get sent out overseas or yes, something. Yes, yeah. You know, we have a huge listenership in Switzerland, by the way.
0: Yeah, thank, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, all yes. of you.
1: We, we like uh, Swiss, we like. Swiss Miss hot chocolate. That's I don't right. Know. Have
0: microphones will travel. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Beautiful our, part all, of the world. All of
1: our Swiss friends. Yeah, uh, but it's it's like you know in, in our world, especially here in the South, uh, the the holy grail of Christendom was the people that get called to go on the mission field. And, you know, I used to even sit there in church going, I'm, I'm looking, I know some of these people sitting around me, and I always thought, I think the greatest mission field on the planet is probably inside the four walls of that church on Sunday. Mm. Why are we sending people, they need to be sending people over here, is more my guess. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. We're over the there. Americans, and yeah. we're here to help. What, what are we exporting? What are we, yeah, we're exporting porn to the other countries. Oh, I don't my know. goodness. Sorry. Yeah, I, yeah there just, you go. Oh, God. But all right, we've all right. We've pissed 42 off. Forty-two minutes. The pastor, the the pastors, they left long ago. Yep. They they certain they, therapists. They now off. the missionaries. The and now the missionaries. And like, now every American. <laughs> Who we got left? Yeah, every American. <laughs> oh gosh, we'll start. A, we'll, we'll talk about the movie Idiocracy. We're okay, li- so a book that we're
0: rolling through. You and I recently that we're rolling through the end of trauma. Um, we ran across this, it's a paragraph, but I think it's worth referencing because it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Talking about the desired end state of engaging with the helper. It's a pretty comprehensive list.
1: Yeah. Uh, the book, The End of Trauma, Dr. George Bonanno, uh, probably pronounced his last name wrong, uh, professor of psychology at Columbia And it's one of those books that caught my eye because you know in psychobabble world, you know everything is trauma, 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 trauma. Felt like the herd of wildebeest running off the cliff. But somehow I look up and look around like, what's going on here? Uh, Because it's just we've gone overboard. And I think in certain ways, it really kind of detracts, uh, denigrates uh, real trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And. I've gotten to where I'm starting to differentiate between um, just emotional uh, dysregulation and distress reduction behavior. Um, a, a lot of of what we call trauma is really emotional distress, not necessarily trauma. Mm. You know, when your mother quit breastfeeding you too soon, mm, that might not be trauma, uh, getting shot at. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there's... There's real I mean right. there's just real trauma.
0: Certainly and different levels of trauma. It is. But, and, but and we've I think abandoned those levels we to a large degree. Yeah, yeah,
1: everything's trauma. And I believe it's just it's certainly contributed to the victim culture. Mm. And in his book, uh he goes into some research uh around PTSD uh, with uh, around nine eleven. Um and it's just uh it's it and it kind of it kind of falls in line with uh, how i was beginning to just think man we're we're off the chain with trauma uh, because he talks about uh, two things that it takes in order to um, kind of overcome to deal with real trauma uh, resilience uh, and flexibility uh, i i when i talk about it i always add integrity because uh, if if i'm not living out of my integrity and i'm Continuing to do things that are harmful to myself and others, uh, I'm probably going to be traumatizing uh, myself and others in my life. So it's important. Um, but he he in the book he talks about uh, he did research because there's more about resilience now, and so he uh, he he looked at uh, you know popular books, media, academic journals, uh, and came up with what he describes. Uh, based on uh, these, uh, what he found uh, in his research on resilience, and I love this list because, like, okay, I mean, yeah, none of us are gonna gonna do all of these, but so often it's like, what is the goal of of this work that we talk about? what okay. a, what, a, what is a what's my desired outcome? What am I after? Mm. Well, I think he came up with a pretty good list of what I believe an emotionally healthy, relationally skilled person would be. Okay. All right, so here we go. Resilient people are in control of their feelings, self-aware and mindful. They pay attention to their bodily sensations. They're tolerant of painful emotions, acknowledge grief, and are able to face their own fears. They practice self-care, self-nurturance, self-compassion, and self-respect. They are curious and they have a good sense of humor as well as a clear capacity for joy. They are optimistic, hopeful, and patient, but also tenacious and gritty. They have good problem solving skills, set reasonable goals, take an action oriented approach, and believe in their own abilities. They have a broad perspective, visualize resilience in their lives, and have the capacity to embrace change. When bad things happen, they write about them, find meaning, and identify as survivors rather than victims. They're able to transform adversity into opportunity. Mm -hmm. They're spiritual and religious, morally strong, practice thankfulness, and take time for solitude. They are involved in their lives, committed, and enjoy a sense of purpose. They have a clear sense of autonomy and control over their lives, But they're also altruistic, accepting, forgiving, and nonjudgmental. They recognize their own limitations and admit their mistakes, and they help others, but are also able to ask for help when they need it. They are securely attached to their closest family members and friends, and they have supportive relationships with many other people. They also have good genes, and they exercise regularly. (laughs) That's, Mm. That's a pretty good list. I think.
0: Yes. Yeah, so what, the, what we're working from here is if you're looking for a good helper, they will check off a lot of those boxes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. truly. Yeah. It, uh, absolutely. And it doesn't matter that they have the label pastor yeah. or that they have a website as a counselor or a practice or group. When you sit with them, you need to, be, you need to have that list in mind. And asking those questions because a good helper is going to be able to engage with that list. I can't tell you how elated I would be. If if a man sat on this yeah. couch and said, Hey, I got a list for you. I need to just rank these one to ten.
1: Tell me, tell me where you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> be, oh, this is gonna be I good. I love this I guy. I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so looking for a good helper, they will at least be participating in all of those to some degree, not arrived, right? but but participating. Yeah. Uh,
1: Just even an awareness of, of those things. Like, you know, what, what's the desired outcome in the work that I'm doing? I mean, I think that's kind of a good list of where we're all headed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just so interesting. It's like when you I mean, it, it, it just and going back to just our spiritual life, spiritual journey, um, so often I believe the reason we go towards like Bible knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Because it's kind of like a list. Just give me a list. I can oh, check off the list, yeah. right? Top five and things if, I need to if do. If I can serve, I got yeah. some Bible knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll show up for the prayer whatever all that stuff is camo breakfast yeah i don't know whatever man i check it off my list yeah. right and and it's like when 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 we talk about the fruit of the spirit right the fruits of the spirit i mean those things are not you just can't kind of put your fingers your hands around it mm-hmm. that's why we don't hear a lot i think about what does it look like to be emotionally healthy because it looks like love Joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness,
0: self control, self
1: control. And mm. okay, so if I were to ask you, so Ben, tell me what gentleness looks like. I mean, you'd have one kind of thought about it. Yeah. I'd probably have another. Yeah. You know, tell me about goodness. Uh, even now, here's the big one. Oh boy, tell me, tell me what love is, right? Because man, I today, uh, we have such distorted views of what real love is because of movies, culture, music, all the stuff that's gotten commingled in with our bad theology, terrible preaching, and what we're told, and we don't really know. And so it's a problem. And and so like this list is, is in some ways, is very practical because I can't put my hands around these kind of, existential character qualities whatever they are Uh, so i'll just memorize some more bible
0: so final question for this episode because we're running short on time let's say the listener has found themselves like oh yeah right on yes i've been there i know what you're describing how how do they convince themselves to re-engage to find a healthy helper
1: yeah i think um and just just the want to, I mean, like if you're listening to this podcast, uh, there's there's some want to there, right? Yeah. Uh, there's willingness. I uh, always love Dallas Willard. You know, he always said, "I you just got to be willing to be willing. I don't know how. I don't have a plan, but man, I'm willing, right? And so just that is huge. And I think uh, the fact is that you know, always I'm, I'm going to be involved in church. And so many of the people that I've run across the men that, that God has put into my life, they've come through church. And so I would say there are others out there that, that kind of think and feel the way that you do. You just don't know it because there's nobody really talking about this. Um, but, it, you know, you kind of, sometimes you have to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. which is part of your growth. Uh, you may have to initiate, you know, asking somebody to go to breakfast or, you know, hey, can you meet me for coffee? Uh, let's, let's have a conversation and kind of figure out, you know, where's that guy coming from? Tell your story, right? Yeah. Uh, we're scared to do that. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of what the gospel is. I think it's the good news of uh, I once was lost and now I'm found.
0: Yeah. I love your advice there. I think I would just say as well that pursuing the person in a position mm-hmm. might not be the most appropriate first move, but looking around and finding people that are like what you want to be in your healthy versions of who you want to be, uh, finding those people and initiating your conversation, developing confidence in asking those two questions that we leave in our childhood. Will you come out and play? Mm. And can you help? Oh, yeah. If we could convince more people to start asking those questions to each other, will you go on an adventure with me uh, where stories are shared and told all the time? And can you help me? Can you help me figure out? I'm having a lot of trouble with my teenage son. Yeah. And I know that you've raised two teenagers. Can you help me? You know? Uh, We often say it's a person telling another person where to find bread.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, we we talk about, you know, uh, the guy down in the hole and, you know, the the guy that walks by and he's yelling up, you know, help me out of this hole. I can't get out. I'm stuck. And the one guy says, hang on, I'll be right back. And he comes back with, a you know, uh, a book on getting out of a hole and throws it in there. And the guy's like... (laughs) This doesn't help. And and then the next guy comes by, and he's like, help, get me out of the hole. And the guy goes, hang on, I'll be right back. And, you know, he comes back, and he's got some hiking boots, and he throws them down the hole. And the guy keeps going, and he's like, wait, th- this isn't going to help me. are help I got boots on. <laughs> and then the next guy comes by, and he's yelling, help, I'm stuck in this hole. And this guy looks down the hole, hears him yelling, and this guy just jumps down in the hole with him. And the guy's like, what, what, (laughs) What? why, now we're both stuck in the hole, right? And and the guy looks at him and he says, yeah, yeah, we are. However, uh, I've been here before and I know the way out.
0: To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com.